Hello and welcome to a Mall Life podcast in this fine January that we're kicking off the new 2023 and season two. We're pretty excited about the new stories. We just survived uh, Dewey's uh, son not telling his dad that he had run into the mall manager while doing donuts in the parking lot, and that was a pretty good story from last yeah. last episode. Um, welcome to Mall Life. I am Dave, and I'm here with my trusty sidekick. This is Don. And we're excited to talk mall shop and mall stories and the things that happen to, to us as we grow up in the mall business. And uh, we're excited. This is the first episode ever. We're going to do a double guest, which is pretty exciting. And we've got uh, Dan, who's a longtime mall guy, and our, and our friend Kevin uh, on, to, uh, on to discuss this. So let me introduce you. Uh, Dan, uh, let's start with you. Uh, how did you get in the industry, Dan? I was in department store retail, and I was working for a regional VP of department stores in the area that I was in, and he left to go into commercial real estate. I didn't have a clue what that was. So I continued working at the department store, ended up going to the corporate office to be a buyer. And he and I kept in touch over time. So I get a phone call one day, and he said, so how would you like to be a mall manager? And I said, what? <laughs> what, are you what, what is that? Said, well, yeah, that's exactly what it is. They said, well, we have this mall, and it needs some help, and I think you're the guy to do it. So, And I was tired. I did, I did not like being a merchandiser with the department store chain. It was a good one. It was a mid-Atlantic chain. had good 26 stores. Who was it? And I bought for 26 stores, men's furnishings and, and accessories and cool. so on and so forth. So, so I accept the position. I go to this mall. Little did I realize, realize it's a high-end mall that's a very distressed property. So, oh wow! I got my baptism by fire for sure. Yeah, so so you're you're into the the hand wringing and the and the trying to keep all of the tenants in the building without pitchforks. <laughs> oh, exactly. So one of the first phone conversations I had with this, my boss after I joined the property, he says, "Well, he said, where's your accounts receivable accounts receivables report?" And I said, "What?" <laughs> what are you talking about? He says, well, have Ruth go get it. So this woman went and got it for me. And he says, now that you're a landlord, next time I'm a what? He says, you're a landlord. I said, oh, my God, I didn't get into that. That, this, that. But anyway, that was my baptism into accounts receivables. And we had some problems, but it was a good three years at that property. Oh, that's awesome. That's a great introduction. So growing up on the department store side, understand the retailers, and then coming into the mall side, that's pretty awesome. Kevin, let's uh, turn it over to you. Uh, tell us, how did you get into the industry? So I was uh, I was graduating from college, and I happened to know a guy that was in the the mall business uh, in the same town there. And he's and he's yeah he came up and recruited me. He says, hey, uh, you know, are you interested in interviewing for a, a mall management commercial real estate position? And I said, I'm interested in interviewing for whatever because <laughs> I'm graduating from college. And so I went in and, and had an interview and. And they were foolish enough to hire me. So I graduated from uh, from college on Saturday and started on Monday in the mall business as an assistant manager. And uh, 90 days later, I was I went out to quell a, a tenant riot at another center because they were in between managers. And so I went in for two weeks to, to handle that. And they said, well, you did so good. We're going to make you general manager of a of a uh, small mall in the middle of nowhere. And that was kind of the, the baptism of fire going out to that thing. And so I ended up managing three or four malls over time and then and then ended up with a regional position and then ended up in the corporate office. So um, it was about uh, about 10 years running malls and 
about three years at the portfolio level and the the rest of the time was uh, at the corporate hairball trying to navigate that thing. So <laughs> it was crazy. I think we've all had our experience of those small malls in the middle of nowhere. And, and one of my biggest surprises when I got my first enclosed mall was I thought things were doing going good. I mean, it was a small mall, but it, and then uh, opened the paper up one day and there was a uh, the front page story. Small town was that five. It was the an fifth anniversary of someone who'd been kidnapped and killed from that mall. And it's like, well, thanks for putting that in the paper. Uh, I knew nothing about it, you know, <laughs> and it's like. Yeah, and, and, and I'm not laughing at the fact that it happened. I'm just saying, five years later, did it really have to be a front page story there? You know, it was just you know five years ago today, and it's like, oh man. So, yeah, slow news day in the small town. Yeah, yeah that, that's right. So, uh, well, yeah. then the flip side was I managed a mall in uh, in a major city, and we had a we had a Marcos or a, we had some pizza guy. I forget what the name of it was, but let's just say that they had some friends uh who were who were more unseemly and apparently they weren't checking in very well and so they they picked up one of his uh employees who went to take the trash out and they they made him make some phone calls to get the owner to call home <laughs> and uh and so in this major city the, it was a, a page three or four you know one by one little blurb you know some guys in the big limousine with the hawaiian shirts and the big knuckles picked this guy up and made him make some phone calls if that was in if that was in the in the a midwestern city, it'd still be on the front that, page. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, it was just it was nothing. I had in, in that uh, city. I had a, in a market one time. It was a strip that, center. Up in the northeast, right? Yeah, remember? Yeah, <laughs> it's where it's where we used to work. <laughs> yeah, we used to. I used to come and see that Kevin there frequently. I had a center one time with an Italian restaurant that burned mysteriously, and the fire marshal just kept referring to it as Italian lightning, uh, <laughs> what caused the fire there. So uh, it, uh, there's there's stories out there about how, I mean, and and uh, we've also had some great Italian. Rest. I'm not I'm not knocking it, but I'm just saying it was like wow. So yeah, you learn. No, it just is what it is. Yeah. You learn a lot of things. You know, we've it's we've had so many people on here that have come from the department store side, and uh, it's funny, but they all have had, and I've had some that we haven't had on yet that hopefully we will soon. You know, they had no idea what the mall manager did. It, part of it depended on who the mall manager was, because sometimes they didn't interact with the with the department stores that much. But as uh, as the industry matured and people realized it's sort of good to know your anchors and understand what their, you know, their thoughts and going on are. It's uh, it's been real interesting to hear how it looked, what mall managers thought of the mall side, because we knew what we thought of the, of the, the, of apartment the store, store side. Yeah. So, uh, but some of my best friends and some of the people I respect, uh, I respect the most were, were mall uh, department store managers. And, and we've hired a lot of them over the years. Yeah, when I, when I, uh... When I was being recruited to become a mall manager, my this guy's recruiting me said it was just like running a mall is just like running a department store, except you don't have security issues, you don't, don't have inventory. I said, cool. So, yeah. <laughs> that was one of his recruiting um, efforts. Well, and it's and it's funny because they can scale that up for you and go, yeah, you don't have you don't have to worry about daily sales, you don't have to worry about you know this inventory management, but. Uh, but all the other stuff, the building stuff, the cleaning stuff, the customer interactions, it still comes to your office somehow. <laughs> yep. Yeah, as my boss used to, to refer to it, uh, this was the guy before Dan. He said, uh, when you open the doors to the great unwashed, yep. <laughs> and just referring to 
whatever customer was going to come in the, the door that day and what, uh, what crazy things they were going to do to us. Well, we had one, that, yep. uh, it was quite a while ago, but someone was trying to return something when their, when the family member died and they could tell by the tags on it, how old it was. It was like 10 years old and they were trying to return it. And I mean, I mean, I'm sure fashion was still right on point with what they wanted to resell, but uh, you never know what's coming in that door. And, and let's face it. We all know that sometimes people just can't be uh, satisfied. Yeah. If you're going to return the bell bottoms, just wait a little bit. <laughs> that's It'll right. come back. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Hey Dan, so we you know we just talked about the Italian Lightning, but uh, I wondered, uh, have you had any experience with some of the fun uh, restaurants out there? Uh, you know, like uh, um, just in some of the fast food crazy. Yep. Do you want me to talk about that? Yeah, please. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we talked about my first mall, and um, told that we were going to generation renovation the mall. We we're going to try that some tenants. So. We got uh, at least for the tenant. It was, it was a four-level mall, and on top of four levels of parking. So we were putting a small restaurant on two levels. First, and, first level, second level. But we had a table in that basement level. We had a, a national fast, fast food chain operator down there, and uh, he wasn't crazy, crazy about getting any new food, food restaurants in there, but. Uh, as we went through the process and we, we, we worked on the development plan and the, the, the restaurant operator wanted to put in an elevator to tie two levels together. So this, this elevator is going to be kind of like a, on a swivel, like it, when you're up, up, up and down versus straight up and down. So we had to build a pit from the ceiling down into the, the area above the, the uh, ceiling where the uh, fast food operator was. So now, this fast food operator was a little crazy. Uh, actually, was a lot crazy. Anyway, so we had an agreement we would do only that only do that work during the nighttime. Well, the, the superintendent, the project wanted to get ahead of the game, so he started having his guys work during the daytime. Well, lo and behold, where they were working was above the restroom, and one of their guys dropped a board down through the ceiling, <laughs> right next to a woman who was using the facilities. <laughs> so. <laughs> Obviously, that was, didn't go well for the restaurant, didn't go well for us, but the fast food guy came, went running upstairs, and as soon as I heard about the problem, I knew where he was going, so I, I took a shortcut and got there just after he got, we got into the space where the contractors were working and started throwing boards, two before, four before us, these big contractors, and he was just a little, just a little 60-year-old man, so they started chasing him out of the space, and I was had the good fortune of being able to get in front of him. And they knew me, so they stopped. So hmm. um, the superintendent for the, uh, the restaurant being built was almost as crazy as a fast food operator. He had a scar from the forehead down across his eye and down his cheek. And oh. he told me he lost that eye in a knife fight. So, oh. Yeah, that's a tough guy. Wow. So, <laughs> I had six security officers on site at that day, and I sent all of them to the rest. That we had two uh, two uh, entrances into the restaurant, the fast food restaurant. So I put three guys in front of each door, so this crazy superintendent couldn't get in there. Because if he got in there, he'd have really hurt that man. <laughs> so anyway, um, we got it all tamped down, settled down, but uh, you know, it, 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 we had to actually default both tenants 
and we defaulted the fast food operations corporate not franchisees. We oh. defaulted the the other restaurant, and we got cease and desist notices from from uh, our attorneys to stop those, those guys from ever meeting again. So the mall manager, the the, the fast food guy, he could only come to the mall on, on official mall business. He couldn't just come to the mall and shop, hang out. And if, and if, if he did come in there, then we were gonna we were gonna go after his lease. Wow. Anyway, that was one of uh, a few interesting things that took place at that property. Oh, it sounds like restaurant wars for sure. <laughs> yeah, people don't understand the complexity of trying to keep a mall, um, you know, trying to keep a mall open and operating while people are constructing, and uh, it's such a it's such a challenge. And while you do do some things overnight, it's not like most things are built just in the nighttime hours because even those are fairly short. And uh, it, it it does it has brought up a lot of stories over the years. Yeah. Well, in full disclosure, uh, Kevin is, is actually my dad. And so I was going to say, hey, uh, dad, why don't you uh, – I think you had a lot of food court vendors that I uh, got a chance to do it. But I'm, I'm pretty sure you had a pretty good food court uh, story in, in all those years. I want you to know I sent David a note, and I said, are we not telling him that he's your dad? I thought – I didn't know if he was embarrassed or you were embarrassed and didn't want him to know David was your son. So I oh, I, I, I was just trying to figure out which way this was going to go here. Before I'm, I'm I just trying that. to figure out the rules of engagement that <laughs> yeah. you all know, Right. Well, listen. I know all the stories he's told me about you. I want to hear some about him now too. But that's another story. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that you know, when Dan and I'd get together at the uh, conventions, we'd be sitting in the hotel bar after our meetings, and everybody would be telling stories, and and it always turned into a "Can you top this?" And whenever you were working with, whenever the California malls were talking. Whatever story we had was not as crazy as the stories that they had. I mean, California just—they had the best nuts, and they just, you know. They, <laughs> and then, yeah, and even the ones on trees were pretty good too. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, they just have the best nuts. So I, I remember one one story they were they were talking about. Uh, so they had this food court vendor that sells really spicy food. And he's back there cooking chilies in this pan and gets distracted. And all of a sudden, he's got a smoking pan of red hot chilies. And uh, instead of just dumping them down the drain, he thinks, well, I'll just take them outside and put them in the dumpster. And so he just walks out of his little food court space with this this burning pan of chilies. (laughs) And he's walking outside. and, And so... About two dozen people get pepper sprayed and end up hitting the pavement. And, uh, you know, you've got every ambulance in the county there. And and uh, USA Today picked it up. It's where the National Rags picked it up. So I'm in some small market mall, and I'm reading about how this mall, you know, film at 11, there's 20 people down, and there's an helicopter <laughs> around. And, and uh, you know, just because some dingbat can't just – Hose down his chilies. And <laughs> well, I'm surprised. The- I'm surprised he didn't dump it in the mall the trash can. I mean, how many of us have had that problems where you go out there? All you know, the guy doesn't take his trash out to the compactor or to the. To, he just throws it in the mall one. Like somehow we don't notice right. that. So, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, awesome. food, food operators were a bunch of local guys usually, and and that's that's where the that's where a lot of the crazy happened. Yeah. Well, there's no bad that can ever come from a grease interceptor. 
Uh, I mean, there's, right. those those are perfect, just the way they were designed and they work. <laughs> and there's never been a grease hood fire. I mean, there's there's nothing that can go wrong. I was loving it when he was talking about building a restaurant and why we always seem to build them over uh, on the second floor or third floor over the most expensive possible store underneath it, because. Uh, you know, I, I've always joked. Bad space. You can't. You can't lease it any other way. Yeah, I've always joked. <laughs> well, it was our. Yeah, I had the. Uh, I had the Asian food restaurant on top of the Italian food restaurant, and they were always liking to hose their floors down, and it inevitably leaked down below. I ended up relocating those guys eventually onto onto grade, but uh, yeah, there was a. I'm reading a security report where, where the there was a leak that happened, and the manager from downstairs hustles upstairs to confront the guys in the kitchen. And then the rest of it was a description of uh, being chased out with a meat cleaver. (laughs) 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 You know, my guys get down there about the time. It's like, all right, everybody back up. Yeah. You know, (laughs) Yeah, the past food courts were uh, made of all kinds of different people. I was uh, in one of our malls in the Midwest uh, before Kevin and I started working together uh, on, the, on the East Coast stuff. And uh, it was in the morning, getting ready to go out and do the mall walk. And the security officer, security manager comes up and asks us, to, he says, you know, making this tour of this property, and I heard this strange noise. And I want you to uh, come with me so we can go see what, what it is. He and I think he'd ever seen it. So we go back in the back of the food court, we follow the noise, and it's like a, a, a tapping noise. So we go back behind the food court and the, food court, the corridor there, and there was our Asian or Chinese restaurant operator, the food court, chopping his chicken on the concrete floor <laughs> in, in the service corridor. Uh, and it was like, told Kevin, I said, that's one place I never ate again. But yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. pretty amazing things what people will do to I just, save I just, money or I, I ruined you know, my, be I... somewhat ingenious in the way to get things done. So. Yeah, he, he must have just ruined his cutting board and thought he needed more space, you know, so it's, it's totally fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I had one of those in my first mall, only it was a door that, that exited directly to the outside and the bus stop was right there. So you had you had diesel fuel fumes and everything else while he's out there trying to chop chickens. It's just, and I'm the assistant manager, so they say, go down and handle that problem. I'm going, yeah, great, I'll go down there and try to convince those guys that they shouldn't be doing it. They wanted a they wanted a screen door on the back. And I said, "Listen, it's not up to me. The health department's not going to approve that. So, no, you can't do that. Well, Stop now, doing this. Now they'd be, yeah. be wanting to raise the live chickens right out back. So yeah. it's you know it's yeah. it's fresh farm to table, farm, farm to table. table. Yeah, it's, the, yeah. it's the fresh catch. Yeah. But... It's parking lot to table. Yeah, <laughs> in case there's yeah a, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was fun, yeah. but you know you get you get language barriers involved and cultural barriers involved and. And we're all just trying to figure it out. I just, I just figured that most of those food guard guys never understood anything over eight dollars a square foot. When you're talking about rent, and, yeah, I, don't, I don't think they understood that either. All, all of a sudden, you talk about rent, and they, they, they don't speak English. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, that's that's great. You know, um, often we talk about uh, events on property that that we handle. Um, and, uh, and, uh, 
and we've had plenty of them from marketings and events and Santa's events and different things. But but some of my favorites are actually the ones that are further back in the in kind of the echelon of of history of of, of malls. And so I was wondering, uh, Dad, why don't you? I know that you had a lot of like uh, petting zoos back in your day, and because uh, now we don't really have them as much traveling around. But uh, but do you have any good stories from the petting zoos? Yeah, so my first mall in the middle of nowhere. I get there, and and one of the one of the activities that we have is a petting zoo coming up. And this was before special leasing got really tuned up, and you know we were still selling crafts and vibrating pillows and whatever else was in the <laughs> in the middle of the mall. And and so we had this petting zoo, and uh, so the deal was is he'd come in about every he'd come in and he'd stay for about. 10 days, two weeks, maybe two weekends. And they would set up a little fence in, we, we would do it in an entry corridor of the mall because those were kind of dead. And we'd set up a little fence and they put some straw down, plastic and some straw. And then they'd, they'd bring the animals in from a semi-trailer every morning. And then they'd take them back out later on, whatever the time was. And then they'd clean up after them in, you know, in the middle of the day. And so, um, so anyway, that was just kind of like the little parade that we'd have every morning. And I, as I'm out there walking with my operations director, we're doing the daily walkthrough. And and you would see the parade of animals come in. They bring them in one at a time. Then they go out and get another one and bring them in. And so and so for a, by way of background, uh, back in those days, we had terrazzo floors. And so it was Mexican terrazzo, 12-inch tile. And we would put two coats of sealer and four coats of wax on it back in those days. And then about once a year, you'd have to strip all that down and, and put new finish on. And so the petting zoo was there about the time that we were putting new finish on. And so they had a, they had an ostrich and this thing had a, a human name like Debbie, you know? And so, so this handler's walking Debbie in and, and they were on the stripped part of the floor. So there wasn't shiny or anything. And Debbie was doing just fine. And so I'm out walking with the, the ops director to look at the new floor finish that we put down. And in comes Debbie with the handler and, uh, and she's doing fine. And then she gets on the, the new floor and all of a sudden her legs are going out from under her and she's slipping back and forth and she falls. And apparently the defensive move for an ostrich is to roll over on your back and then they can strike with, with either foot. Right. Hmm. And so this guy leans over, oh, come on, Debbie, get back up. And she gets back up and slips up, slips, slips up, falls again, rolls over, did that a couple of times. Well, then now the thing is really pissed. And old, old Debbie falls over, rolls over on her back, and this guy leans over to try to pick her up. And I hear this, whoa. And she, she just lances out there and shoots him right in the chest. And this guy just goes down like a sack of bricks. You know, he goes, oh, and down he goes. <laughs> I almost, I almost died laughing. Both of us, me and the obstruct, were just laughing our heads off. This poor guy, and he, he finally gets Debbie back up and wanders her, wanders her back down to the, to the cage, and uh, and, and then she's fine. But that was just one of the funniest things I'd ever seen. And they also brought some kitty rides in, and this was a mall that was maybe four years old. I think I was the fifth guy in four years to run this thing. It was a, it was kind of a mess. And uh, they had miswired the outlets and they didn't put a, a grounding strap between, well, it's a technical decision, but anyway, 
they didn't they didn't wire the panel right. So they ended up with two hot legs coming into this uh, into this outlet. And so he plugs his kitty ride in there, and all of a sudden you see this you know this ride just go flash, 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 and then boom, the, the transformer <laughs> blows on it. So <laughs> we never did see that guy again. <laughs> I think he was just done doing business with us. Blew up a transformer. <laughs> That's awful. Uh, the guy you that... know, back in the early days of the Shavison industry, we used to have all kinds of new and exciting ways to bring Santa Claus to the property for, for Christmas. And you know, we tried the uh, helicopters and train rides and uh, motorcycle Santa Clauses, fire engines. You know, it just never, ever really seemed to work out very well more problems than they were worse. So we finally got smart and quit doing that. But uh, I had a marketing director at a center up in Minnesota. She, she loved that stuff. Anyway, it, it, it is on to become a regional in California. Well, that's awesome. It's, it's always, it's always great, you know, cause you, you get all the different experience at all the different centers and all the different Santas. Then you just figure out, keep it simple. He's here. Starts at 11 o'clock. Have a nice day. <laughs> no, we're, we were always trying to top each other. And, and I had a mall right. across the street. Uh, a nearby shopping center that had announced that that they were going to have a big Santa arrival in the helicopter, like Dan said, and and uh, and and that they were going to they were going to distribute coupons. Santa had a bunch of coupons, and some of them they announced were actually really valuable. Uh, you could actually win something decent, right? So I go over there with a video camera, and this is back in the days when the camera's up on your shoulder, right? And I, I'm going, I got to watch this. <laughs> so I go over there and I'm kind of signing, standing in the background. And I got maybe oh, 200 people or two, maybe 300 in front of me, you know, adults, kids, whatever. And old Santa comes in and he's, they're in a big Jet Ranger helicopter and the side doors open. You can see Santa strapped in there, big old red suit. They come in and make a couple of passes. Then all of a sudden, Santa starts chucking coupons out the side of this <laughs> helicopter. So it's going into about a 100-mile-an-hour prop wash with about a 15-mile-an-hour crosswind. And it's just, and they're just <laughs> raining down and flittering away. And all of a sudden, this group of 300 people starts tripping over each other and knocking people down, chasing after these dumb coupons. And you got some of them falling on the tire battery store out there and the some of them falling on the, the restaurant and and just scattering all over there. So it's this massive security and safety nightmare of, yeah, we didn't think all of that through. So I kept that tape around for a while just as, a, just as an object lesson for the marketing directors to let's not grow a brain and do anything crazy like this. Let's just have Santa show up. He's going to walk down the hall and sit in his chair and let's be done. Yeah, uh, now you wouldn't have to take a video camera because it'd be streamed live by someone's <laughs> YouTube or there'd be 6,000 uh, copies of it going out there. Uh, it, it, whenever anything yeah. happens in the mall, I've said this before, and this, I remember when it used to be people would stop and get involved, you know, if there was a fight or if there was something going on, you know, they, they'd step in and try to break it up or if there was something inappropriate going on. Now they just stop and film it. No, no one does anything other than just want to record it and let it go. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah. That's so awesome. No, that's that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Well, um you know, Dan 
in, in your in your history, you've 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 been through a lot in a lot of different climates. Was there ever a climate that uh, you know where weather played a factor, maybe with some of your roof experiences? Uh, yeah, you know the uh, the northern northern Midwestern properties. We we uh, the one you you had to allocate you know, the, a budget. This snow removal budget was a crapshoot anyway because you could never. I guess I guess Mother Nature, but we would sometimes get you know snowstorms, um, you know twenty thirty inches of whack, and we would have to uh, push that snow off and, and stack it up. So we'd get snow stacks up around the parking lot, you know, twelve fifteen feet just as high as we could get them. Ooh. We also had to get up on those roofs and, and clean those roofs off because even though the roofs were uh, built for withstand more. Uh, more, more snow and the weight of snow. Uh, so we would have guys up there with shovels and snow blowers, and you know, you'd be, you're trying to get the sidewalks clean down below, and you're just throwing the snow down from the roof. And yeah, so I don't, I you know, I don't. I live in a warm climate, some semi-warm climate now, so I don't have to worry too much about snow. But we used to. Uh, one of the centers we had in that area, we had a. Uh, it was fairly close to the state fair, state fairgrounds. So we would negotiate between us and the state fairgrounds. So in the wintertime, we could uh, haul snow off this one shopping center's lot and put it over in, on, the, uh, state, on the fairgrounds property. And conversely, in the summertime, with the fall when we were uh, having the state fair, we allowed them, we, we negotiated a deal where they could come and park people. They, they would actually park cars, run buses back and forth to the state fairgrounds because it, State fairgrounds and that part of the state fairs up there was just a huge thing. Uh, big, 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 uh, well, I'll digress. It used to call it the Great Minnesota Get Together because that's where it was, <laughs> was in Minnesota. The Great and Minnesota so Get Together. Awesome. Yeah. And that was uh, always on the, the weekend before and the weekend of Labor Day. But yeah, we had we had a pretty good deal going there. I even negotiated where I could park. I had an old truck. It was my dad's. And I, you, know, you can't leave cars out in Minnesota and expect them to survive the winter. So I even negotiated the deal so I could park my truck in one of the buildings on the state fairground. Oh, that's so, perfect. Yeah, that's so a perk. Of, probably, I probably should have. You know, it worked out. Yeah, but that's a that's a perk. I mean, you can figure out how to do that with a with a negotiation. That's a that's a negotiated win right there. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, so you know, what's funny is is now Kevin, you you. Grew up in the shopping center business from from you know being a mall manager, assistant mall manager, mall manager, and then into the corporate stuff. And a lot of the corporate stuff you did was technology, but I think you developed the love for the technology while you were in the field. And Dan, I think you have a story of where my dad's geeky, you know, tech geekness actually played off when you had when you guys were eating dinner, I think in Florida or something. Well, we had we had a. a uh, it, one the point in time in our relationship together, Kevin was a group manager, and he was working for me uh, as a, and I was a regional manager, so with East Coast stuff. So Kevin was taking care of a property in Florida, and uh, Kevin, you're going to have to help me out here if I if I screw this up. But so one day he was at the mall there in Florida, and and there was a hellacious storm came up, and it blew enough rain and the wind that gets in a certain part of the property and we we 
actually had the building, the roof collapsed. You know, collapsed over restaurant, climbing area, area spaces, and so on and so forth. So Kevin, Kevin just happened to be there, and he happened to be there with his his new technology. Probably be well. Kevin and I worked out a, a deal so that uh, I would support his efforts in technology, and he would share what he what he learned with me. Anyway, not what he learned, but what he did with me. So anyway, so we, he's down in that area. This is probably what Kevin 30 years ago, 25 years ago. So oh yeah. That's all of that. Just, yeah. So it was just on the forefront. Kevin was just on the forefront of this stuff. So he takes his, his laptop down there. He takes his camera down there to the site. Takes, you know, he takes pictures of the site. He should show these highlights on the site plan and sends this off to corporate uh, to show them where the damage was. Uh, and of course, the tech, <laughs> our tech IT guys got pretty upset about that, but lo and behold, the rest of the corporate we liked this. So we had a cor corporate operations manager and uh, he and, and and president of the company and the owners of the company really felt a lot of what Kevin had done. So making a long story short, a, few, a short time period later after that, Kevin ends up in corporates as the head of our IT and technology group. Oh, awesome. So just he did that from uh, just from kind of bucking the trends, uh, taking a risk, and creating some stuff that uh, even he even created sales reports that were better than the sales reports that corporate gave us. So in my region, and Kevin, Kevin had, we just started using our own sales reports. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin created. So anyway, it was a, an interesting time. Dan did a good job of, uh, of providing cover fire for me. So I would do some crazy stuff and, and he would, uh, he had, he, uh, he had plausible deniability. And so it, uh, it kind of worked out, but yeah, that was a crazy time. I mean, we just finished a, a strategic plan with the, with these guys and we just gone out to some mediocre Italian restaurant and I was back at this little, Oh, resort place that we stayed at when we were down there. It's on one of these little, lakes down there full of alligators and i get a call from the center that that they've had a, a major problem and i by the time i get there plus my marketing vps and on the same floor with me i said you know come on we got to go and i said you better be ready for dead people because this is going to be bad and we get there and and every every emergency vehicle in the county is in our parking lot <laughs> and the the shining lights on this building and the whole front of it has collapsed in this where this restaurant is because the the wind had blown the the rain up on top of this thing and collapsed it and then the front collapsed on top of it by by some stroke of luck anybody that was in that part of the restaurant had just moved away before that building went down wow and so yeah just usually what happens in a corporation is when we give them bad news they send a Learjet full of unhelpful executives <laughs> to come help you. And, and so by, by Dan's helping me get some technology pieces that I needed, I'm running AutoCAD on a laptop and I'm, and this was the early days of email and digital photography. And so I send them an update of all this stuff. And for the first time ever, they don't send me a Learjet full of unhelpful helpful people. And we were able to, you know, get some forensic engineering in there and try to figure it out and, get them all back open by sometime the next day because we're, we were condemned for, you know, and until we got some areas secured off. And, and so it was, it was crazy times, but yeah, I, uh, 
I was at a, I was at a, uh, one of our management meetings and the chairman comes up to me and he's just a little bald guy. And it's usually not a good time for, if he walks up to you, it's usually not good news. <laughs> and he comes up to me and he says, Hey, I, I hear you're doing technology stuff in the field. And I said, yeah, I'm giving a class on contact management for the sales guys, the leasing guys uh, later today, feel free to stop by. And he says in the same breath, I want you to come to the corporate office and run IT. I go, what? <laughs> he, said, he says, yeah, by the time I got to the, the RT person isn't moving to the new office. And by the time I get a new one, everybody's ready to kill them because they don't understand what business we're in. And he says, so if we need to send you to a class or something, that'd be great. But I want you to run IT. And so that's how all of that started. And it was just crazy. Well, you know, I remember when I we had a uh, go ahead. We had a situation where we had a prop portfolio of properties we were doing third third party management for, and uh, the, comp the company that owned the property was out of Canada, but they had an office here in Atlanta. Well, we could never make them happy as far as uh, a lot, lot of things, particularly sales reports. So uh, this all blows up right around Thanksgiving. Head of accounting gets really pissed at Kevin and I, tells us he's going to have heads. Kevin and I get the report. Kevin gets the report. So I get him to the client. And before you know it, when Kevin, <laughs> this is kind of funny, Kevin gets the corporate. This guy's now reporting to Kevin. <laughs> uh, so Kevin, Kevin won that battle for sure. You know, I remember when I started, all the correspondence used to come in. You know, it was all paper, and you had to flat file it with the with the lease. So there was a correspondence side, and we used to keep these binders of every letter that came in, and it was date stamped, and every you know the response back to it. And when you had to look for stuff, it was a pain because you literally had to go through just all this paper. We start putting a, a, a directory on the front of it for each month so we could find it a little bit quicker. But uh, then, then it went when fax machines came through. I'm thinking, well, this will surely kill FedEx or UPS. Who was delivered. And now we just start getting three of them: one in the mail, one on fax, and one FedEx. I mean, everything just start becoming so. It was it was great as technology advanced, and you didn't have to. Uh, I don't know if you guys used to write your own leases at the property, but we had a book of of leases and what changes we could make, and you're making changes there. And this is back when you. At, at best, you had an electric typewriter, or maybe one that would could take you know like ten rows of uh, of type, you know, so you you could correct it before you printed it. So it was amazing how much it has advanced. But the problem with that is now, though, everyone thinks all answers are instant. You know, you get an email, and if they don't write you back in two minutes, it's like, what are they doing? Why don't I have the answer? <laughs> at least, at least when it came by mail, yeah. you knew there was going to be a four or five day lag there while you. Why you got back to whatever the answer or question was? No, but the advances have been, been crazy. Really, go, ahead. go ahead, Dan. It used to really be irritating when the the people in corporate were sitting there on the same leases as the mall people were, but then they were being called. They were calling the mall people get back and get the information. So I, I finally told my people, I said, you know, when they call you and ask me, just tell them to go down the hallway. There's a file cabinet. It's illegal. <laughs> they can look for it there. And they were just blowing them. That happens all the time. Yeah, I, I you know what's funny is we have all of this digital digital automation. Like all of our leases are scanned, all of our correspondence is scanned. Everything's in the cloud, up in the in the airwaves, you know, on servers for miles. And I still have a filing cabinet in the back with all this redundancy 
in it just because it's like, well, you know, the original might still have something. It's like, but I've scanned everything, but nope, I got redundancy. So it still is it, we, 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 we progress, but we keep it the same in a lot of ways. Well, the nice thing yeah, about, I found in legal issues, it was good to have the original documents. Well, and I tell you what, some leases were easy, but I mean, my department store leases, sometimes it'd be three inches thick, you know, and and, and you hoped you had all the amendments in there and you hoped you knew everything. And so uh, as it got digitalized, it sure made it a lot better. Yeah, especially searchable. I I remember in Milwaukee, we had a, it was a really, really old Sears building. Like the Sears building was built before the mall was built. And it's the smallest REA I had ever written, and I felt like I was opening it with white gloves and parchment paper. Like yeah. it was just like one extendedly long page, double sided, and it was signed. And it was like, okay, well, let's not lose this very vague document that talks about why Sears is here. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. This is kind of right. crazy. Kind of crazy. Well, that has to have some historical significance now, right? So. Yeah. You know what? Now that, that document's probably worth something. You know, you could, you could frame but it you, up, you, you know? Yeah, since Sears no longer exists. Well, exactly true, and 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 what's interesting is they just you know what did they do? They just announced the the home front stores are finally closing, or just just now closed within this last year. So and things remembered, you know, has been shutting down operations, which I never thought I'd see a day that things remembered was gone because wow. you know now I can't remember things. So <laughs> <laughs> uh. well, back when I was in the department store business, and we used to get a thing called Chain Store Age magazine. Yep, they always ranked the top two retailers in America. Department stores with always for years. Sears number one and Kmart number two. Yeah, I worked for Sears. And Walmart, Walmart took care of both of them. I worked for Sears for a short period of time, and uh, I remember their credit card had the highest penetration of any credit card. I think they were bigger than Mastercard or Visa back when they started. Of any, course. any, and they would give anyone a credit card. I know that for a fact because I had one. And uh, <laughs> what's funny is they put me in charge of. Um, I was doing furniture repair. Because I had done some woodworking in high school. Now, that's sort of a leap there when you go out to uh, – they put me in a van with uh, all sorts of tools and varnishes and paints. And, and when I got calls, I would go to people's houses and try to, try to fix their problem. And uh, they were going to be the biggest bank in the world. They were, they were the biggest retailer. And it's amazing how much that has changed. Kmart, that – that that seemed like a mercy killing almost. That, that was that was <laughs> the, the, the blue light specials ran out after a while. The the insult to injury was that Kmart bought Sears. That yeah, was yeah, that yes. was that was where you knew it was just like that's just like a slap. You know, yeah. it's like you know when you could get Craftsman at Kmart and Sears, it just felt like well, I I don't know if this is really worth it. I, even with the lifetime guarantee, I, I don't know. You know, yeah. so I'd bought well, a- all of us watching all of the department store consolidation. You know, Allied and Federated and all of those and. And uh, the going away of all those small town department stores, it it just sort of lost something when you when you you know when you lose some of that local flavor and whoever that local merchant in charge was and, and how they merchandised their stores and you know, I, I remember someone asking the principals of our company why don't you own a department store and he says because I'm not a merchant you know <laughs> that th- those people grow up being a merchant. Right, you know, and and our guys said we're not we're not those kind of people, and when, we're not department store people. We're not going to own a, own something we don't know how to do. When I moved to Utah, I'd never had a snowblower before. Uh, didn't really need them the other place I'd lived. So I I went to Sears and bought a I think it was a seven and a half horsepower belt driven electric start. I mean it was it was a 
machine. It was that, it that was, sounds like the Cadillac of snowblowers. Yeah, it yeah. was it yeah. was beautiful, and my driveway was all maybe a twenty five feet long. It didn't take long, <laughs> and but then I would just go do all the neighbors because it was so much fun uh, playing with it. But one day I go out and the the rotors wouldn't turn in it, and I called them because I'd bought the extended warranty, and uh, they said we'll send someone out to look at it. And I said, great. So they came out, and they said, yeah, you've broken the shear pins, and we don't have any shear pins. We expect them in two to three weeks. And I said, yeah, well, snow doesn't stop for this. And uh, they they just left the paperwork. And so I called Sears, and I said, uh, come get it. And they said, what? And I said, well, that sign above your door says satisfaction guaranteed. You're telling me I won't have it for three weeks. It's shear pins. I just have to believe that's something. So the guy said, well, if we come out tomorrow, uh, would would you keep it? And I said, yeah. So he comes out the next day. My wife is home. They get the snowblower out, play with it, put it away. I come home that night, and a neighbor's coming into my yard to, to blow my yard or my driveway because he knows my snowblower's down. I said, I ran him off. I said, no, I got this. I go out there, start, the, start it up, and try blowing snow, and it won't run. So I go back and look at the paperwork, and the paperwork says, no shear pins. We'll be back in three weeks. <laughs> and I thought, well, thanks for coming out, and thanks for you know, thanks for identifying. So I called him that time. I said, I want it. You know, come get it. Come, you know, pick it up. And and uh, I want my refund back on the on the uh, service warranty I had, which was useless. So sure enough, the next day they showed up to pick it up, and they brought, they stopped, and my wife answered the door, and they said, we're here to pick up the couch. <laughs> and I said. She said, what couch? He said, we have a snowblower going back. So sometimes the paperwork gets a little confused there. That's awesome. And so uh, that, that service warranty. I have to tell this story. You know, yeah. we, we don't talk about these much, but talk about great customer service. I bought a grill since I've lived here in, in uh, Arizona, and uh, some small parts on it didn't work, and I called them, and, and I bought it assembled. And they said, well, we'll send you the parts, and you can put them on. It's like, no, I bought it assembled. They said, well, we don't do that. So they sent me a piece to replace it. And when they uh, sent it, I looked at it, and I thought, no, there's a reason I buy stuff assembled. It's because I can't fix stuff. So the warranty was coming towards an end, and by then there had been a couple other little problems with it. So I called the company back, the warranty company from this major uh, home improvement store, and uh, they said, well, we can't find your warranty. And I said, well, I have the receipt, and I sent them all the stuff. And about three weeks later, and there's a, there's a bunch of steps between that, uh, I called and they said, well, how about if we just gave you all your money back? And I said, really? And they said, yeah, you know, we're not really servicing those anymore now, so I'll just refund all your money, but you have to take it in a, in a gift card, you know, you know for, that, for that business. And I thought, you know, I don't know what, the, the grill still works. It was just a couple little things with it. So they sent me the whole money back. And I'm thinking, I don't know if that's excellent customer service or if that's just gross incompetence. <laughs> but, but either way, uh, I bought a smoker. So it worked Sounds out. Sounds like it was good, yeah, good so, business. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like a good business. <laughs> I'm still using that grill. But, um, yeah, yeah. That, that's awesome. That's awesome. That kind of money, you can go on YouTube and figure out how to fix it. Well, I, I probably could have. And I probably got friends who would think it was fun to fix it. But I'm just looking at it going, nah, no, not no, what I do. Not what I wanted. Not yeah. what I wanted. Well, guys, to, this so, is. So where uh, in Utah were you? Uh, uh, Sandy, in Salt Lake in the Valley. Oh, so uh, South Town. Uh huh. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so, from Utah, so I was just curious. Yeah. 
Oh, I didn't realize that. Well, that's that's awesome to to be able to connect. But uh, what funny stories on the customer service side and from the department stories. And Dan and Kevin, this has been so much fun and a very exciting uh, chance to talk. Just some really great stories. And I don't know if I'm ever going to not use Italian lightning again. So I think that's <laughs> that's pre- that's pretty awesome. Um, so thank you, Dan, and thank you, Kevin, for joining us today. And and uh, and j- we really appreciate you guys spending your time with us. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks right. for having us. All right, well, and thank uh, you. Take care. Tune, tune in next time for this next episode. We're super excited to continue to tell mall stories and all the exciting things that go with it. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye.